Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. It's Jason Leisure. Jason, the preseason is over. The Bears are preparing to face their rivals in week one. And they've finally trimmed down their roster. We'll talk about all that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Jason, the preseason's over. It was kind of brutal, wasn't it? It's always really long. It's always, to me, seems longer than it would need to be. I mean, we're going into, I think, six weeks or something like that. Right. I, I don't know why the players couldn't maybe do it in four. Let them come in a little <laughs> later in August. Keep the preseason games if you really want them that badly. Um, it was especially tough for the Bears, though. It felt especially long for the Bears to me, and I assume a lot of people that follow them and are interested in them, Pat, because there were just so many important guys out mm-hmm. that you just didn't get to see. We we would believe that Tremaine Edmonds is a really good player. We didn't really get to see him much in practice. Right. And DJ Moore, we did see, and we know. Right. You know DJ Moore is everything they thought they were getting. As long as he stays healthy, he's going to totally be a difference maker for them. That's clear. But there's so many guys you can't say that about right now. Right. And it's really, it's the most important guys on their team for the most (laughs) part. And leading with, while he was out there every day, my view of Justin Fields during this training camp and preseason is it's inconclusive. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it is neither. I think I wrote this the other day. It's neither encouraging nor disqualifying at this point. You just have to see what it looks like in the game. And boy, I think the Bears and all of us uh, who are looking for more certainty in the offseason uh, certainly would have liked him to string together you know, great practice after great practice after great practice. And he never really did. Now, I always give the, the qualifier that you know, what makes him special is his ability to take off and run, and that's just not something you do, you know, on a backfield. or It's not something you're supposed to do, at least. So maybe measuring him on two-minute drills in which he's only throwing, maybe that takes away the specialness of Justin Fields, but there's no question that he needs to be a competent NFL passer. I'm not sure that we saw evidence that he will be. That doesn't mean he won't be, but it means that we're not sure. And the NFL is amazing. The coaching staffs are all so impressive in the sense that they will react in real time to him being a runner last season. So right. you're seeing the game plans already start to shift last season. Patrick, this season, mm-hmm. with all of this time that all these teams have had to prepare, every opponent on their schedule is going into this season saying, we're going to make him play traditional quarterback. Yep. We're going to go all completely sell out to stop him from running for 100 yards on us and make him win from the pocket. So it doesn't even matter, really, that the Bears don't want to do that. Right. These other teams probably aren't going to let them, starting with Green Bay. Starting with Green Bay. I I think, I don't think you can ever game plan out the scrambling, but I think the teams will absolutely be ready for the the design quarterback runs. And and your hope, if you're the Bears, is some of what we've seen in this preseason, which is quick passes, screens, stuff to get the ball out of his hand. Now when he's throwing to his number one receiver, his number one receiver has a chance to actually – like, do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't dumping it off to Byron Pringle. This is, in theory, if everybody's healthy, uh, you know, not only DJ Moore, but if you look at running backs, you know, Dante Foreman, you know, was, was what, the fourth best running back in football after week seven last year. Uh, Khalil Herbert led the league in yards per carry for running backs. Uh, Robert Tunyon, traditionally great in the red zone. Chase Claypool has a chance. I don't I, – I, another guy we wish – would have been more consistent health-wise in camp. Darnell Mooney's got a chance. Like, I just listed six or seven guys. Cole Komet, 
That's a lot more than he had last year at his disposal. And this year, it makes sense to get the ball in the hands of somebody other than Justin. Last year, I'm not sure it did, especially at the end of the year uh, after they'd lost Mooney and they were just running out a bunch of also rans at receiver. Oh, he didn't have a lot of options and he didn't have a lot of time. But if all of those things are legitimate, all of the upgrades, Mm -hmm. if they're truly upgrades, which we say DJ Moore is, we don't know if Chase Claypool is. Right. Some of the other spots are the same. The offensive line is the same. We don't know. But if all of those are legitimate and Justin Fields has improved Mm -hmm. the way that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and Luke Getzey are telling you, then he should be thrilled. That everyone is going to sell out to stop him from running. Yep. Because he should be completely equipped in every possible way to exploit that and just tear everybody up through the air. So if it's all true, yeah. then that's not not only is it not going to be a problem, it's going to be a good thing for the Bears that teams are so preoccupied with his running ability. And now that Pat, that's like that's where this goes for him and he becomes a franchise quarterback, is when he's got the running when he needs it mm-hmm. and it always kind of hangs there as a threat. Mm-hmm. that keeps a lot of um, space, that keeps the defense kind of watching two things at once, and then he can exploit that as a passer. That is the final product. Sure. The question is whether Justin Fields is going to get there. And I think the goal in the first month of the season should be to be competent enough throwing the ball that it loosens up the run defense in a way that benefits not only Justin, but the three-headed monster that the Bears have. I, I was talking to Chris Sims from NBC Sports the other day, and he essentially said that even if you want to look at Jalen Hurts uh, in the Super Bowl, he, he was, was amazing. But, you know, when he really had to have it, he had to be a passer. And that regardless of how football looks today, tomorrow, next week, and next year, the quarterback at the most fundamental part, when it's third and six, has got to be able to make a throw. And I don't think Justin's there yet. I also don't know whether there are going to be people to block for him <laughs> to, yeah. to enable him to get the, the throw off. And I guess to me that was the most important thing I saw in camp was that at no point did the starting offensive line get through a padded practice together. That's, that's, that's not good considering that the Bears came into it thinking that they had their answer at those five spots, which, was, which is something new around here. It wasn't the case last year. And think about the trade that they just made for Dan Feeney. Right. That will look completely different if Dan Feeney starts week one for some reason. Right. Now, if that's what they're saying it is, mm-hmm. it's a it's an upgrade on the second line of the depth chart mm-hmm. that is a good backup interior lineman who can play all three interior spots, and that's why we're doing this, and everyone's going to be fine. If that's all true, then that, that move is kind of nondescript, not a big deal. Right. right. Smart move, even. Right. If Dan Feeney is starting at, at left guard or center against Green Bay in week one. That's alarming. Very alarming, um, especially because I think we thought that they went into camp with like you know, a pretty decent backup situation. But now you've got Lucas Patrick. Lord knows if he's healthy. I think the only way Feeney starts is if Patrick isn't healthy. I, I don't know. Probably. I, I don't know. Um, and, and now you have Feeney being brought in uh, to be kind of your Lucas Patrick. Tevin Jenkins remains uh, a really, really divisive player and not in a bad way but polarizing polarizing player when you want to talk about is he good you know this is a guy who can't stay healthy and you know when he's been out there at a new position that this new staff put him in that fits him really well he's really good he's a really good guard yeah. but now you're moving him to a new side of the field now he's hurt until october 
and it, it's just bad. And my question about Feeney is this. The Dolphins, you used to cover the Dolphins. They think they can win a Super Bowl, right? That's what they're trying for. I mean, only one team will be right about that, but they, they, are, going, they are in total win-now mode, yes. When a team that's in win-now mode trades a veteran who's making $3 million to a team like the Bears, it makes me ask the old Mark Potash question. What do they know that the Bears don't? And if Feeney, my guess is if you're trying to win the Super Bowl and if you think this guy's got a chance to help you, uh, whether it's now or in the middle of the season, you probably don't give him away for a six-round pick. So, I mean, that's, that's my concern is, you know, I hope he comes here and is a solid backup. But, man, a team, in theory, with a much better roster than the Bears just decided that he wasn't worth keeping around. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a concern. And if you go into games at some point where Tevin Jenkins isn't there and Cody Whitehair is not, if you're, if you're in there, if you're starting backups. Yep. And this is the whole downside to it, Pat. This is where I could see the Bears winning 10 games this year. I could also see them winning five games this year. Okay. If you go into a game where you're, you know you don't have this offensive line that they've been planning on, and maybe Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney aren't quite where you thought they'd be. You get to a point where it's like, how does this look any different than last year? And how it's are you going to expect it's Justin Fields to play any better? Yeah, it's, I mean, the answer is it's not better than last year. And that's, uh, that, that would be very concerning. You'd have to hope like hell that your defense is respectable and that your run game is as good as it was last year. And remember, as bad as the Bears were last year, how many games were there? Four or five? Where it's a coin flip with five minutes to play. They ran a bunch of games at the end, yeah. Some of it was bad Was I don't want to say bad luck, but I think if you played last season a lot a bunch of times, I think they finish with four or five wins more often than they finish with three or fewer. Right? You brought up the, def- the defense being respectable, and that is going to be just as interesting to watch this year, I think. And that affects Justin Fields too, by the way, because if you're always down two touchdowns, you're always in obvious passing situations. Passing in obvious passing situations is really, really difficult. Yeah. Even for the really good quarterbacks, mm-hmm. third and eight is really tough. So, <laughs> what's the Matt Nagy line? I don't have a I don't have a, a play on my sheet for third and forty. <laughs> like last year, the Bears didn't have a play on their sheet for third and eight, other than Justin runs Just around. Hope it. Justin Fields can save us. Yeah. Right. On defense, they have a lot, but they're missing the biggest thing, which is pass rush. And they believe they've solved that with Demarcus Walker, who's coming off career-high seven sacks. That's it. Okay. And Travis Gibson had a season of seven sacks. And who? Yannick Ngakwe. Oh, hold on here. Who? Travis Gibson. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll have to talk about him later. Okay. He's not on the team anymore. Anyway, yes. Continue. And then they go get Yannick Ngakwe when camp is already underway. And... Ngakwe, as much as he's bounced around, does have a pretty good track mm-hmm. record. Never had less than eight sacks yeah. in mm-hmm. a season. Um, defensive tackle is very underwhelming, and the whole plan that they're hoping for, I would think, is that the two rookies eventually bump Justin Jones and Andrew Billings out of the starting lineup. Yep. I mean, the thing is, you can hide some things. Now, now you get to Matt Eberflus, and he's a defensive-minded head coach. And you've got Allen Williams as his coordinator, and they could scheme around some things. Mm-hmm. They could hide some things. 
But this is like being an offensive coach and trying to scheme around not having a quarterback. Yep. This is the most important thing. And so if like if you were running the offense, Pet, and you had all these great receivers, but you didn't have a quarterback, it's like, what's the point of those great receivers? Right. It's the same thing on the other side of the ball with their secondary, where they have taken this secondary that in 2021 was just inexcusable. It was Jalen right. Johnson and a bunch of practice squad guys. Now you have what I think pretty good could be pretty one good. of the best in the league. Yeah, like I really like their secondary on paper. And you know what? That's not really going to matter if they don't ever get pressure on anyone. And those guys have to cover for five, six, seven seconds every play. Well, and last year they blitzed more than they'd ever blitzed before because they had the world's worst defensive line. I think they're in that same spot. Yeah, and they might be in that same spot now. This is a problem that we knew existed in February, in March, in April, in May. <laughs> um, and, you know, they finally addressed it when they signed Ngakwe. I don't think he solves anything. I think he helps, and I think he might make this defense just – he might make it a little more acceptable, but I don't think he fixes the problem. Quite frankly, I don't think they get an edge rush, rusher who fixes the problem unless they draft one. Do you fault Ryan Poles for this? Yes you, and no. I mean, is it his? Is it really – Go ahead. Explain. I mean, and he said it, I think, in April. He said, you know, I could, could have gone and signed a guy just to say I did. But, you know, the Bears, It's I know people don't want to hear this on the eve of the season when everybody's so excited. I mean, they're playing for 2024 and 2025 and 2026. And if they go from awful to respectably bad this season, I think that's the next step on, in the plan there. And then you take, then you can take the risk and go overpay someone for the next three years because you think they might actually help you win a playoff game or two. I don't blame them for not getting to that point now. I think it would have been a year early to do something stupid about a defensive end, and I don't think that there were a whole lot of logical choices still out there. Even when you look at the draft, no real great pass rushers available by the time the Bears were picking. Now, at number one, that that would have been too rich for their blood too. You know, They would have had to settle, what, three or four to really you know, hone in on anybody – you know, worth it. I Will mean, Anderson Will Anderson's the guy. He yeah, third. Yeah, and I mean, I think Will Anderson was the most can't-miss player in the draft. He was worthy of going number one. Yeah. Whoever was picking number one. Right, and then you get into Jalen Carter, who I realize isn't an edge rusher, but is certainly a pass rusher mm-hmm. from D-Tackle, and that could be its own podcast. I, I guess I don't blame Poles for not rushing it, but ask me in, you know, uh, in November when we're on – if we're on week 13 of watching quarterbacks just stand back there and do whatever they want, maybe I'll feel differently. I don't fault him for it at this point, at this stage of the rebuild. Right. And I think we spent the entire first year saying there was like three to five guys that you'd want to keep. Mm-hmm. Like Roquan Smith, Darnell Mooney. Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson, and then maybe Fields, maybe Cole Komet. Mm-hmm. So he inherited a very, very, very long to-do list. Right. With not really a lot of resources right. to attack it with. In fact, they had to really go the other way and unload mm-hmm. Khalil Mack's contract, for example, and mm-hmm. uh, Robert Quinn's contract and get as much drop draft picks as he could. Right. I think he has taken a very long to-do list and checked off the things that matched up with their resources and their timing. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the draft specifically, that'd be the best place right. to get one of these guys. The only counter-argument you could make to that would be that he should have kept the number one pick or or maybe only traded down to two or three somehow mm-hmm. and taken Will Anderson. Right. I don't think anyone wants him to do that. I don't think anyone would go back and reverse that now and say, no, 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 send DJ Moore back, 
uh, send. Why can't I think of this guy's name? Who's the guy they drafted? <laughs> Darnell Wright. Thank you. Send Darnell Wright back. Send that uh, 2024 Carolina Panthers first round no. pick back. That could be a really, really good right. pick. And we want to take Will Anderson at number one. I don't think that it's lined up for them. You can no. get you can get Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. You can get guys like that in the second round. You can't find game changing defensive ends. At that point. The reason nobody would undo it is because we don't have certainty on fields. It all comes back to fields. Again, the reason that trade made sense was now they have two first-round picks next year. If either the Bears or the Panthers are horrible, they're going to have a chance at one of two can't-miss or supposedly can't-miss quarterbacks because we all know that they miss all the time. Um, a a top-tier of two really good guys and then maybe two more that could go in the top ten. Um, I, I think the top two available are better than Bryce Young was. And then I think that's the bet that Ryan yeah. Poles is making is that if Justin takes the next step, fantastic. Well, so you could have solved the defensive end problem you by taking Will Anderson, but then you wouldn't have all of that. You wouldn't have you solved this glaring problem at wide receiver. You wouldn't have these resources that you need next year. And you wouldn't have an insurance policy on your quarterback. Yeah. And they needed an insurance policy so on their quarterback. I, I think he would say this, Ryan Poles would say this, and I, I agree. I think this is reasonable right. that he has solved the problems that he was able to solve at the time he was able to solve them. Yep. You can only keep saying that for so long. In fact, this is probably the last year he can say that yep. because he will have had so much cap space and so much draft capital that he could fix whatever he needs to fix over that amount of time. But he said yesterday he thinks the rebuild is like 75 to 80% of the way. He said he did 75 to 80% of what he set out to do. Yeah. Um, and it, it could be that that number slides back if they have another bad season. But, you know, the thing that's, you know, and I wrote this, the thing that jumps out is the quarterback and the pass rusher. Those are the two things they don't have uh, or they're not sure they have. And the tru- two most important things. Yeah, those are like the two things you need. Quarterbacks and people that kill quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, this will probably age poorly. It always does every year. People get really worked up about the 53-man roster. And then, as it turns out, the people on the fringes of it usually don't make a giant difference. Uh, did anything grab you about the Bears' decisions that they made uh, around cut-down day? I think that where they stand right now at wide receiver is untenable. Too many guys. Seven wide receivers yep. on the active roster. Three that I don't think are really going to play wide receiver for them, mm-hmm. at least not right away. I don't. Tyler Scott probably needs more time. Mm-hmm. Fifth-round pick. Fifth-round pick? Fifth. I think so. Yeah. Fourth or fifth. Uh, Tyler Scott, I think, looks... Like, a lot of potential, but needs more time. Yep. Valus Jones, I, my understanding at this point is he's exclusively a kick returner. Right. And then they brought in Trent Taylor, who is almost exclusively a punt returner. Yep. Valus is probably the odd man out here in terms of playing time. And I wonder if once they start to get some injuries, Patrick, mm-hmm. at other positions, Valus becomes the odd man out when it comes to having a roster spot. Yeah, I don't know about a roster spot, but maybe a spot on Sunday's roster for sure. How's he going to hang around as only a kick return kick returner once they start needing help at other positions? Is he a better kick returner than Trent Taylor as a punt returner? I think you could argue that. I mean, the Bears were second in the league last year in kick return yards. They were third in the or in Valus himself was third in the league in kick return yards. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And he's younger, and he's the guy you drafted. And and Trent Taylor. I realize that they're excited to have some some stability at that position. Ryan Poles even said this week that uh, they didn't want Velas to kind of psych himself out at that spot and that he'd keep fielding punts, but you know they didn't want to break his confidence there. Uh, what did he say? He had a great line. Poles said that you know he wants to be able to get up and go to the bathroom during punts and not have to worry. You want to be able to get up, get a snack, 
yeah, go come to the back. bathroom, not have a care in the world, come back, everything's fine. And yeah. that, that's not been the case. The irony else. there is the great thing about Devin Hester was that nobody would get, get up and go to the bathroom during punts. Well, now, that's where we're at, though, yeah, right, right now, Pat. <laughs> we're looking for boring. We just want boring to get back. would be good. We that's want to get back to boring. from uh, catastrophic. You're right. And it's funny, when you look at their receiver room, you've got kind of their three lead guys, and then Equinemius St. Brown, who's a, a really good blocker for a receiver. He's a really good blocker. That's what I'll say about him. And then you've got those three that you just mentioned. It's a room of seven with only really maybe three and a half guys that you can depend on uh, to catch the football. I, I think the upshot is, or the upside there is, you know, they're going to be in two tight end sets a lot uh, with two pretty good pass catching tight ends. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, two of their three running backs have the ability to catch the ball and, and Foreman is catching the ball a lot more now than he did when he was with the Panthers. So maybe there's something to unlock there. There are, there are a lot of places the Bears can get some production through the air outside of receiver, but they're not going to be good unless their three receivers are good. Yeah, what surprised you about the uh, the, the final, I say, I say final roster, I guess. There's no such thing as a final roster. I, I mean, the roster going into week one. Cutting P.J. Walker, I didn't think that they'd do it because of the money they owed him. They owed him $2 million. I also thought that they'd sit there and go, you may have had a bad summer, but you know we still like what we saw on tape. Uh, from back when we uh, signed you as a free agent. I was a little surprised that they did that. Uh, Bringing back Nathan Peterman on the active roster, that makes sense because of the new NFL rules where you can have a third quarterback that you don't dress who's allowed to come into the game and not count against your 46 if your other two guys get hurt. That's the San Francisco 49ers rule. Uh, So whether it's uh, Fields and Peterman or Fields and Bajent, the third guy will be available if the two of them get hurt. But that only works if they're on your 53. So I think carrying fifty-three quarter, or three quarterbacks on the 53 makes sense now. I'm just kind of surprised that they put him through waivers and then brought him back on the active roster today. They probably could have put him on the practice squad and then promoted him uh, it, uh, before the game had they wanted to. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know. So how do you think all that works out then? I think if like, Justin gets hurt, they're screwed, Jason. Yeah, that's, that seems to be clearly the case. Right. Because your your backups are Nathan Peterman, who started a game they were trying to lose last year. Right. And Tyson Bagent, who... I'll point out that Tim Boyle did... Tim Boyle took his place and did worse. But yes, yeah, continue. Uh, Tyson Bajan is a guy with a lot of potential that everyone is, is too excited about at the moment. Okay. Like, yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Let's right. see where this goes. Right. But uh, it comes from... You know, Shepherd University. Like he's 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 got a lot to learn. So, you know, the different possibilities here are like Fields misses a few plays or something right. in the third quarter of Week One, or Fields is going to be out for a stretch of mm-hmm. two to four games, or Fields is going to miss you know the next the, the last ten games of the season or something like that. In all of these scenarios, like how do you see this playing out if they do need one of these guys? Because every every backup quarterback plan is great if you don't ever need to use it. You could be the backup quarterback sure. if they never needed to use you. But if this comes into play where they have to use them, like then what? I've, I've been covering the team for 10 years. I can think of one young backup quarterback they had that anybody had any interest in seeing, and it was for a brief hot second, it was future Dolphins legend David Fales. Do you remember David Fales? <laughs> That's great that the Bears and the Dolphins with so much similar history, would have a quarterback whose name literally is failed. But otherwise, we're talking about Josh McCown. We're talking about Nick Foles. We're talking about Andy Dalton. A bunch of guys whose better days had passed them when they got here. So I understand the excitement around Tyson Bajan. And if I'm a Bears fan, be excited. You're That's starved great. for it. I get it. Yeah, I yes. Get it. But let's not, get, let's not get too worked up here. I think that as we sit here today, 
if you're if you want to tell me Justin Fields has rolled his ankle in the third quarter, what are we going to do? I think I would probably want Peterman to finish the game because he can we know he can handle it even if it's just managing the offense. That may change in four or five weeks. Maybe the whole point here is to get Bajan up on his feet, you know, during the life cycle of an of an NFL week and get him comfortable, and then he is no doubt your second guy. Big picture, if Justin Fields is out for more than a game or if you've got all week to prepare a new quarterback, I want to see Bajan. I, I think that the upside is intriguing, and I think the downside doesn't hurt you because if Justin is out for a long period of time, losing games might not be a bad idea. You know, as we talked about, you know, they've got those draft picks and uh, it may, you know, maybe it's a good news, good news situation. If you throw Bajan out there for a month, if he's good, he gives you a really good problem to have. If he's bad, he gives you a really good problem to have. Yeah, I, if I'm the Bears, I like to be sitting at the end of the season saying, Fields is the guy. Yeah. And Bajan's also shown us he's really good. And, and, like, and here are two first-round picks that we will spend on augmenting Justin Fields yeah. rather than yes. starting over again. And, uh, you know, it's the, the Bears kind of lost track of drafting quarterbacks every year because I guess they were things were going so well <laughs> the last few years. But, like, New England had Tom Brady for 20 years, and they were drafting a quarterback, like, every three years. Right. And I know that the Bears didn't draft Tyson Bajan, but they need to be doing things like this. They need to be trying to d- develop mm-hmm. young quarterbacks that can become assets one way yep. or the other. Yeah, I, I mean, imagine a scenario where you got two legitimate starters. Yeah, then one of them is really worth something to you in a trade. Yeah, we did. We talked. I think we talked about this in the last episode. I, I think the Bears need to figure out their own quarterback first. <laughs> and I, I think that whether you're the Patriots or the Eagles or the Chiefs, the fact that you've had backups that you're able to spin off to other teams is a testament to your offense and to your coaching staff and to the stability you have in your building. That. The GM can trade a backup quarterback, and even if it comes back to bite him in the butt, oh well, he's not getting fired because yeah. of it. Uh, I think that's the sign of the healthiest franchises when you can turn somebody who's not playing for you into somebody who might. Yeah, uh, and the Bears would love to get to that point. I would just you don't be have ha- to have Fields figured out to do that. You these quarterbacks are like lottery tickets, man. You right. need to keep pulling them because, like you you said just earlier in this conversation, that right. there is no such thing as the can't miss guys. There's you just don't know. Right. So, like, you, you, the odds are against you, too. So, keep taking but, but I think the keep odds bringing of, guys in. I think the odds of the Bears having an offense that doesn't work for Justin Fields but does work for Tyson Bajans, I, I don't think that's the most likeliest of outcomes here. No, I'm not picturing that. I'm just picturing if they got to a point where they did feel really good about Fields and then they had an, an asset in yes, agent that absolutely. they could yep. trade for a second-round pick. Like, I That'd think the, that's what the Patriots did with Garoppolo. Um, although I think he was a second-round pick originally, so that, that didn't like profit them all that much. But that's what you want to do is yes. be able to develop these guys and then make a profit in yep. the trade. Absolutely, and uh, that is I think that's uh, next-level chess. I, I think at this point the Bears are just uh, trying to master basic uh, learn-how-to-play-chess quarterbacking. Uh, we're not there yet, and uh, you might say that's been, I don't know, 100 and how long ago was 1908? Long time ago. 115 years since they did. Uh, there will be plenty to talk about next week. Jason will get to preview some real football and some real football opponents, uh, including week one's opponent, the Green Bay Packers. Until then, you can follow Mark Potash and Jason and myself on social media. Check us out on the Sun-Times website or the app. And if you live in town, please pick up a paper. Until then, he's Jason. I'm Pat. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again really soon.
Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.